answer. The world demands the answer of us. We demand the answer of us. We demand the answer of our friends, our, our colleagues, our, 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 our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we don't always have the answer. And I'm going to ask the youth to tell me quickly, what is the answer? Again, I know I did this last time, but I want to ask them again. So shout out loud for me, youth. What is the answer? Go on, you can do this. Don't be shy. That was your key. What's the answer? The Bible. That's correct. But there's another answer. And what's that answer? Jesus. Yes. The Bible and Jesus, I say to them, is always the answer to all these questions. Because I truly believe that the word of God that is Jesus is the answer. That is the answer, the response, and the reaction we need right now in this world. That is what we need. And, and that, is what, that is what we have. Now, I love adventures, and I love going on journeys. And I've been on a few in my life. And, um, and some of those have taken me to wonderful places, and some of them I've gone on and, and, and not really done much, just gone and hoped that everything would work out. But I love, I love going on an adventure. It's absolutely fantastic. I sometimes love the journey more than the destination. I get to where I want to go, and I want to go, mm, okay. But the adventure and the journey was so fantastic and was so good. And God has sent me on many journeys and many adventures. Two stand out for me in my lifetime so far. And the first that I want to mention to you is my journey here, my adventure coming here, my adventure to meet my wife and my boys. Fantastic. And all the adventures we all did together. And the second adventure is walking with God. It's that journey. That's absolutely fantastic. And, and, just to, and, and, and I love to just walk with God. And, and how fantastic would it be to just walk with Jesus in the cool night breeze, in the cool evening breeze, walking and talking, walking and talking with Jesus in the garden. Fantastic, isn't it? That'll be absolutely amazing. But I can go on forever. Anyway. My quest to understand faith and the mysteries of God has, um, has, has brought me to a point where, where I realize that it's about a journey of revelation. That's what it's about for me. And, and for you, it might be something different. But I love when I go on a journey and adventure with God that it's about what he reveals to me. And whether that's in my prayer time or whether that's reading the Bible or whether that's talking to a friend or a colleague or listening to a preacher, it doesn't matter. But it's that revelation that Jesus gives me. That's the adventure. That's what it is. And it might be the same for you, and I hope it is. And, and if it isn't, it also doesn't matter because it's not about that. It's about that revelation and your response to the revelation that Jesus gives you and that God gives you. That's what it's about. So let me try to explain by, by grabbing some examples from the Bible. And I'm going to start with this one. Thank you, Julian. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If you'd allow me to paraphrase that a little bit, it goes something like this. Then the, God, then the serpent said to the woman, God is a liar and not who you think you is. You don't know him. They believed it and they lost everything. 
everything they lost. Exodus 3 tells us of Moses wanting, needing to be able to tell to the Israelite leaders who sent him. He needed that. Who sent him? And who, with whose authority is he coming to them to come and tell them what to do? So you've got to remember at that time, Moses was a murderer and an outcast still. So he goes to God and he said, God, who do I tell them? Who sent me? And God said to him, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, has sent you to me. Has sent me to you, sorry, has sent me to you. And just a little tidbit here in, in Hebrew, that is written as ever, which means I am. But of course, Moses couldn't go to the Israelites and say to them, I am. So we had to put it in the third person, and that's where Yahweh comes from. Because Yahweh means he is. He is everything. So to go with that again, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you to me. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me. Now he has the authority. Now he is acting with authority because they know who sent, who sent him to them to come and tell them what to do and what the next step is and what they want, what God wants for his people. Although Moses himself was not convinced at that stage, and he asked God for lots of signs and wonders and to do this and to do that and, and all these type of things, and you can read that as a little bit of homework, I guess, and just to see how, how faith and, and fear and trust and all these things go together and how sometimes our human nature and fear can stop us from acting in faith. When God says go, we go, whoa, not quite yet. Let me just check this out. And then we go and then God says now. And you go, nope, I don't think this is the right time, Lord. I'm a little bit scared here. What about this? I can't do this. That sort of thing. But yeah, that's homework. Um, not for today. So, so read up about that. Then I would like to take you a little bit further on into 1 Samuel. Where we can read the beautiful story of David. The shepherd boy becoming king of Israel. And of course, the glorious defeat of Goliath. But I want to ask this question. Why could a boy say to the then king Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines. How could he say that? He was a boy, he was a youth, he was a shepherd boy, he was nothing. But he could say that. How could he say that? And then if we read a little bit further, or, or just before that in the, in, in the same text, it says that, all the men of Israel were scared of him, not of David, of Goliath. They were all scared of the life, and they ran away with dreadful fear. All the soldiers, all the warriors, all the men ran away. But David came, and he said, "Let no man, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go." And fight the Philistines. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just fantastic? Let no man's heart fail because of him. That's of Goliath. And we can read further how everyone then tried to tell David, you can't do it. You're just a boy. He's a massive man. You can't do it. You've got nothing. You've got a little slingy thing and a few stones. He's got everything. He's a giant of a man. He's a man of war, the Bible says. But David wasn't worried about that. And then you can read further about David's rebuttal to Saul and to all the men, why he believes he can do it. But there was a reason he knew he could do it. And that's this. Moreover, David said, the Lord Yahweh, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me 
from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. And then if we read a little bit further in verse 45 and 46a, then this is on the battlefield. This is him standing in front of Goliath, a giant of a man with a shield and a spear and a sword and a, and a, and a, and a, and a whole army behind him. And it's just David. And he said this to, to Goliath. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. He sent. He comes to him in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. David knew who God was. And David knew that God is with him. As a shepherd boy, he could say this to a man of war, to a giant of a man, he could say this. And there are many more similar stories, and I can go on for hours and hours about this, but there's the story of Esther, there's the story of Daniel, there's the story of, 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 of God is named Job, and we call him something different in Afrikaans, apologies. Um, the story of Job and Nehemiah. There's all these stories across, scattered throughout the Old Testament of people that knew who God was. And because they knew who God was, they could act. They could stand up and they could do something. And it's, it's, it's amazing. But anyway, so it's, 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 it's absolutely fantastic. Read those examples. Make the time. But it's probably time I get to the text that I was asked to preach about today. Preach about today. Otherwise, otherwise I could go on here. As I said, I keep saying that I can go on forever, but I can. But I, I, I can. So, so I want to look at Luke, um, and 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 just we reading about Luke at the moment, and I want to take us further on the next step. So we're going to be reading the passage that I was given is Luke nine verse eighteen to ten to twenty four. This is packed full of stuff. It's a long passage, so settle in. Um, no, I'm just going to pick bits out and, and, and touch on a few things here and there. So, so you will be in time for lunch, I hope. Um, but let's have a look. And I want to start with Luke 9, verse 18 to 20, where it says, And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah. And some say the one, one of the old prophets that has risen again. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. And it is believed in theological circles and study groups that, that Peter here answered for all of the disciples. He spoke up not just for him, but for all of the disciples. You are the Christ of God. Why did Jesus ask this? Why did he go up and ask who do you think I am? Who do the crowds think I am? What, what, what's behind this? Why did Jesus say this? And I always thought that maybe this is Jesus' human nature that's coming through. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's his, it's his human element that is just creeping through. His need for affirmation, maybe. His needs to know that he's doing the right thing. He needs to know that his ministry grown. Gosh, he's just preached to 5,000 people just before that. So... You know, all these type of things. But that's not it. That's not what it's about. The answer is easily missed in this text. Because like I said just before, they fed the 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. 
There is something else going on here. There's something, something going on, and that's the answer to that question, who do you think I am? And it is all about the revelation of who Jesus is. It's all about the realization of who Jesus is. And it's all about Jesus' identity. That's what it is. Not because he was insecure. Because he, know, he knew that they need to know who he is. That's what it's about. Now the account given by Luke's gospel is different to the other gospel. In, in that it leaves out certain happenings throughout Jesus' um, movements and, and stories and stuff like that. And, and, but on the whole, it kind of follows Jesus' roots that he walked and Jesus' journey and the journey that the disciples took with him. Just before that, in the chapter before that, Jesus talks to them about this, the parable of the sower. But he doesn't just tell them about the parable. He doesn't just sit there and talk, do a nice campfire story. He explains the parable to them as well so that they can understand what it's about. But then he goes that step further and he tells them why it is important that he talks in parables. Why does he do this? Why does he talk in parables? And he then quotes Isaiah 6 verse 9 about those that hear but don't understand and those that see but do not perceive and that those that do and understand in their heart and return will be healed. That's why he talks in parables. And it was important for them to know this. We know that Isaiah foretells of the coming of the Messiah. So that's the link. I am the one that Isaiah foretells you about. And this is how people will react to me. Then the story goes on and the, and the happenings go on and Jesus' journey go on and they go on a boat and he rebukes the storm. Fantastic thing in itself. But they then ask, the disciples ask, who is this guy that he speaks to the wind and the, and, and the rain? And it obeys him. I can speak to the clouds. I can speak to the, to, to the weather. But it obeys Jesus. Who is this man? That it obeys him, that he speaks to this, and it obeys him. And then they come to land, and then Jesus drives out a legion of demons out of one man. Yeah, in one hand, great, and another horrendous story, sort of tied in together. But, but it's fantastic, but it's not just that. It's a fantastic thing in itself, but they also, they also see something else. That all these demons recognized who God was, and they spoke out. They spoke out. They recognized who is standing in front of them. And they said, do not torment us, you son of God. So they knew who Jesus was. And the, the disciples saw that. So that's another revelation of who Jesus really is. And then it doesn't end there. They saw Jesus heal the bleeding woman just because she believed who Jesus was. And then they saw Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. Massive thing, I think, personally. So what is happening? They are seeing the prophecy of Isaiah happening in front of them. They see it. They're experiencing it. They live in it. They see that Jesus, this Jesus that they are following, 
is this Messiah that Isaiah is talking about. Because he's doing all these things that Isaiah said he's coming to do. And they can see it and they can experience it and they can feel it. And it's amazing. And then some of them follows Jesus up the mountain and, and becomes part of, 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 of the witnessing the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. What an immense thing that must have been to see Jesus talking to Elijah. You know, they, the people said he's Elijah, but he can't be because he's now talking to him. So he can't be Elijah. You know, and that's another thing, another revelation of who Jesus is. And it must be the greatest thing that they've seen up until that point. But then the mountain clouded, clouds over and they got very scared. And then God spoke. God spoke loudly and God said, this is my son. Hear him. What, what bigger revelation is there than that? Than when God himself speaks and says, this is my boy. I love him. Listen to what he says. You know, I think it's great. But it also says that they were, they were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw the glory of God. Or sorry, the glory of Jesus, his glory. We need to be awake. And we will see the glory of Jesus. It's absolutely am amazing. But after this, Jesus then sends out the 70. He says, now you go. Go and do these things. Go and perform miracles. Go out into the villages and perform miracles. And they did. They did. They performed miracles. They healed the sick and everything. And it says in, in Luke 10 verse 17 that the 70 returned with joy. After Jesus sent them out and they came back, they returned with joy. Why did they return with joy? And it then continues and says that they said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. In the name of Jesus, they went out and they performed these things. And they were able to perform these things. It's all about that revelation of Jesus. And it brings me back to that question. But who do you say that I am? Do you know me? Do you know who I am? Who do you say that I am? The crowds heard, but they did not understand. The crowds heard, they saw, but they did not perceive. But his disciples were on a journey of revelation with him. And it was important for Jesus that they knew who he was, knew who he really was and why he came. That he did not come to lead a military coup. That he did not come to be an earthly king. But that he was the king that came to set them free, to, to restore them and to give their soul freedom. To save their souls. That's, that's who he is and that's why he came. To set his people free. Because it's important that they heard and understood. That they saw and perceived. That they returned and had authority. Had his authority. Authority to heal the sick. Authority to preach. And authority to cast out demons in his name. That was important. And that's why he wanted to know, who do you say? Do you get it? That's what he said to them. Do you know who I am? Do you get it yet? 
You need to know who I am. And that question for us is just as important in this day. Our conceptions of Christ's nature is really, really important. And why he came determines our relationship to him. Yeah? That determines it all. And it determines the whole course of our life. And how does our lives change when we get a revelation of who Jesus is? When we fall on our knees in front of Jesus and we say, you are God. How does that change our lives when we give our lives to God? Completely. Our relationship with Christ determines our course of life. And we can't understand Jesus' mission if we don't know who he is. He's just a man that came, died on a wooden cross, and that's it. But if we know who Jesus is, his mission makes sense. And his mission becomes life to us. So the conviction must pass into life. It's one thing knowing, it's another thing believing. So it must go from head to heart to action. Yeah? Jesus puts our relationship to him as determining our whole present and our whole future. Peter's answer and confession summed up the previous development, the journey that the disciples was on. That's what he did. And it marked the end of one stage and the beginning of another. Jesus would have them, as it were, take stock of what they've learned, take stock of what they've seen, take stock of what they've heard by asking them, who do you think I am? And he finishes one set of teaching, and now they are ready to go on to the next set of teaching. It's brilliant, isn't it? So you see, when you understand what you hear about Jesus and you perceive and discern who he is, who he really is, when Jesus reveals himself to you and you see and you hear, anything is possible. Because it unlocks in you that ability to act in his name. Because you know who sent you. You know who he is. You know that you can stand. You know that you can stand up for God's afflicted people. You know that you can go out and you can close the mouths of lions if you need to. You know that you can, that you can, that you can just stand fast even if your world falls apart. Because the Son of Man, the King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the Messiah, the Lord of Hosts, is standing with you. So you can stand. You can stand. Because you've got His authority in your life. And what is it that Jesus says about His authority? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And that's at our fingertips. Now the next phase of Jesus' mission is about his death. And everything now leads up to that moment where Jesus dies. And that is why it's important that they know so they can fully understand that story or the next happenings that's going to happen. Because in his death is everlasting life. Because that's why he came. He came to conquer death and give us everlasting life. But for his disciples and for us to understand the true cost the value, the purpose, and the significance of this. We need to know him. We need to know who he is. Otherwise, we could miss things, and we could miss the important. And this is why, 
was important for Jesus that we know who he really is and why he came. If we know Jesus Christ, we will know the Father. Say it again. If we know Jesus Christ, we will know the Father. Open your ears and hear. Open your eyes and see. If you know Jesus Christ, you will know God the Father. And that is amazing. That's so powerful in your life if you know who Jesus is. We've all heard Psalm 46, verse 10, read many times, be still and know that I am God. And we tend to focus on the be still part so that we can hear. Let me shift the focus a little bit. And I want to say, be still and know. Be still and know what? That I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That's important, that I am God. Know that I am God. Because it frees us and it sets us on a path where we can do anything. Jesus wants us to know that he's God and understand what he has done for us. By suffering and dying, rising and ascending to heaven. Jesus has fulfilled his mission to save his people. To save us, to atone for us, to set us free and secure a place for us in heaven. Next to him. Where is he going to sit in heaven? the right hand of God. That's where we are going to sit. But only if we know who Jesus is and we accept him in our life and we accept his mission as our salvation. And that's important that we do that. If we want to intentionally build community in every capacity, in every facet of our lives, we need to know who Jesus Christ is. We need to know why he came. We need to understand. We need to see and we need to hear who Jesus is. For it is only the love of Jesus Christ that can build community. And he himself has said, love your neighbor like yourself. It's massive. And I think sometimes, yes, it was easy for the disciples. Because they had Jesus. Walking with them, talking with them, showing them these things and go, it's not quite right. Why don't you do it this way? Look at this. Maybe we can talk this way instead. Maybe you want to use this instead. And I haven't got a... I haven't got him physically taking me and saying, come Hendrik, let's just go this way. Because that way isn't quite the way you need to go. But I obviously forget that they still didn't get it right. Plenty of times. But then it takes me to another story in, in the New Testament this time. And, we're gonna, and, and it's about another Saul this time as well. Where he also didn't know Jesus. But he had a revelation of Jesus. On the road to Damascus, when he was persecuting Jesus' followers, and he wasn't just locking them up. Yeah, you can read about it, but it wasn't pleasant what he did with them. He was persecuting the followers of Jesus Christ. And a bright light flung him to the ground. And he asked, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, and the voice said, when he flung him to the floor, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? And the answer changed his life forever. He didn't just change his life, he changed his name as well. But he changed his life forever. And what he held up as being a lie now becomes a truth in his life. A truth and a revelation and a conviction that stands him 
in the test of time through every struggle that he faced from there onwards up until the end when he saw the glory of God. That's how important that revelation was to him. And what was the revelation? What was the answer? I am Jesus Christ whom you are persecuting. Boom. That was the revelation. That was all he needed. That's all he needed to change his life. That revelation changed him forever. So now in this moment of history that we're facing now, as Jesus reveals himself to us, knowing who he is is the only answer. Knowing who Jesus is is the only response. Knowing who Jesus is is key. And it is the only reaction. Jesus is God. That's the answer to whatever we face, to whatever we come across. Jesus is God. He's got the answer. Before I hand back to Beth, and we stand to worship God, so the band, you're welcome to come up in the, in the meantime. I would like to do something slightly different and potentially tricky this morning. Sorry, Christian. I should have warned you about this. It is voluntary, so you don't have to partake. But here we go. Do you believe that with the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains? Do you believe what it says in James 5 verse 16, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? Do you believe that? Do you know who Jesus is? Because this is what it's about. Who do you believe God is? Who do you believe Jesus is? The God Almighty, the God of hosts, Yahweh. Do you believe that? Focus your heart on this for a moment. Just focus your heart on who you believe God is, who you believe Jesus is. Yield in reverence. Submit your spirit. And if you are able to kneel, going to ask you in a moment to kneel with me. If you can't, please stay seated. Do what is right for your health, please. So let's, let's do this. Here we go. Holy, holy, holy are you God Almighty. Yahweh, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of the covenant, Messiah, Savior, Comforter, Holy Spirit, we humbly come to you in supplication and boldness. Father, would you bestow on each and every one of us a revelation of who you are. Dearest Jesus, speak to us. Reveal to us the beauty of you. Heal us, Yahweh. Be still and know.
pray that God's revelation will give you faith like Daniel in the lion's den. That it gives you hope like Moses in the wilderness. That it gives you a heart like David. And that he be your defense. So that you can face your giants with confidence. Amen.